When it comes to racism and the topic area of racism, disparities, inequality, and so on, certain concepts and narratives seem to prevail. Yet there are many gaps in the narratives and many unanswered questions. I personally, I'm not here to answer any questions. I'm here to investigate, to challenge, to explore. And challenging anything doesn't mean that I necessarily disagree or that I'm hateful or that I'm dismissive. It simply means that I want to learn more about the topic and get as close to the truth as possible. So for the next few months, I will be spending some time deep diving into the past, into history, particularly racial history, including but not limited to slavery, colonialism, Western imperialism, and so on. The blog I'll be using for this endeavor is titled How Africans Underdeveloped Africa, hence the name of this podcast series. It's a blog I discovered online, written by O.K. Chigbo, a writer and magazine editor. I came upon his blog while reading a book called Slave Traders by Invitation, which is by a Norwegian writer called Finn Fogelstad. Now, this book I read presents a frank reassessment of African agency and involvement in the transatlantic slave trade. Now, the title of O.K. Chigbo's blog, How Africans Underdeveloped Africa, is a play in words based on a book on Walter Rodney, who was a political activist and a writer. And the name of his book is called How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Many find Walter Rodney's book to be quite a foundational text, a very important text, especially for those who are politically involved and engaged in the quote-unquote black struggle. Many of them hold this book in high respect, as does anyone concerned and interested in racial equality, racial social justice, pan-Africanism, and so on. However, for those who haven't heard of the book, brief outline is that it explores how Europe systematically and deliberately underdeveloped Africa. While Rodney in his book doesn't necessarily romanticize Africa or absolve Africa of responsibility for its quote-unquote underdevelopment, it does unapologetically highlight and give insight to the injustices done to the people of Africa and attributes such actions as the reason Africa is in its current state today. In fact, at the time of writing the book, Rodney believed that Africa wasn't developing, but rather in a state of underdevelopment, and he claimed that such underdevelopment is the result of Europe's actions and nothing else. Now, I've started reading the book, and what I found is that Walter Rodney did try to approach this topic, quite a sensitive topic, as one can imagine, quite objectively, quite rationally. Now, I don't know if I will have the same opinion when I finish reading the book, but that's certainly one I have since I've started reading it. Yet others, including O.K. Chigbo, have criticized the book's central thesis, claiming that it oversimplifies the complex historical forces that surrounded that colonial era. So, though the title of this series and, I suppose, the blog is provocative and can prove triggering to some people, even though doesn't take much to trigger people nowadays. I make no apologies for it. No apologies. The goal of this series is not to justify the obvious, well-documented, exploitative behavior of the Western world in relation to Africa, which continues to this day. Rather, it is to demonstrate that, at times, 
both past and present, Africa has been an active participant and proponent in its own development or lack of, and these are not so well documented. Moreover, the responsibility for turning around its economic, societal and political situations really should begin and end with Africa. So in other words, in my own personal opinion, I think what will bring greater, quicker and more lasting progress is if we stopped talking about what Europe should stop doing and start talking about what Africa should start doing. And in some situations, stop, which I will explore throughout this whole series. Let's talk briefly about OK Chigbo, the one behind this blog, How Africans Underdeveloped Africa. He's a Nigerian-born, award-winning Canadian magazine writer and editor. He began his magazine journalism career writing about African issues for many UK-based and Toronto-based publications. When he found full-time employment as an editor in the Canadian magazine industry, he temporarily set aside his interest in the continent so he could pursue a career in Canadian magazine writing and editing. Fair play to him. However, he never stopped learning about and trying to understand the quote-unquote African situation. And now after three decades in Canadian magazines, this blog, his blog, documents his return to what he loves doing best. I personally spoke with him after reading his, his articles and I wasn't shy to tell him how much I admired his mind, his writings, his viewpoint, his work. And I asked him if I could have this privilege of bringing his ideas to life by exploring them, reading them and going through them on my podcast. I absolutely loved it and this is what brings me here today. So whilst I read and go through his work, if you have any questions at all based on what's discussed or what's not discussed, then ask me, send me an email, send me a a message on social media. I will collate it all and dedicate an episode for him to come on and answer all your questions on my podcast. So I'll literally be reading through his blog. At times I will paraphrase. I will add my own thoughts here and there. In essence, it will be OK Chigbo's words spoken by me, a rendition of his thoughts. I say this to emphasize that this is his work and he alone deserves credit for bringing this fearless, much needed, much needed perspective to the table. OK, so this series will be a deep dive. I'm excited. I hope you are too. But before we even journey to the root, before we even go deeper, why did OK Chigbo feel compelled to dissect this topic through his writing? Why do I feel compelled to tackle this subject and share it with you guys? Let's explore because this was his first entry, the reason why he wrote this blog. This blog is the product of a running conversation, often an angry conversation, that he has had over the years in relation to Walter Rodney's book, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Like I mentioned earlier, the book is regarded as a classic by many black scholars. So when O.K. Chigbo read the book as an undergraduate, even he found himself thinking the book to be the answer to every question about why Africa is, in his words, backward. I probably would have been more politically correct. Maybe not. Anyway, why Africa is not as developed in many parts in relation to the developed parts of the world. But with time and more knowledge about the world, O.K. Chigbo started to ask some very hard questions. And you know what? This is a pattern I see with people who have a different mentality and mindset. They ask questions. They ask 
questions. And sometimes that's all it takes to have a different point of view and a different perspective. Asking a question. People can't ask questions anymore. Once you ask a question, I'm not talking about stating facts or giving opinions. I'm talking about asking a question. Just by asking questions can lead people to call you all names under the sun, can cause you being labeled, demonized, slandered, outcast, causes losses just by asking a question. And that's why people are so afraid to question the narrative. People don't even ask themselves questions. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I hold this as truth, as fact? What if I'm wrong? I question myself with all beliefs I hold because I have come to an understanding that questioning something doesn't mean you doubt it necessarily. It means, like I said earlier, you may just want to understand more. And why wouldn't you want to make sure that what you believe is true? Or at least you have all sides of the story so that you can have a complete understanding of the subject and not a biased one. But people are afraid of coming to the conclusion that what they've believed their whole life is actually wrong. It's not true. There's something else. It's hard. It's not easy. But I would encourage you to ask questions. Question your beliefs and ideologies. This does not mean change. Even if, right, this is crazy, but even if you ask questions and you come to a different conclusion and you still want to hold the belief you want to hold, go ahead. But ask yourself the damn question so that you don't deceive yourself. At least know exactly what you believe and then why you continue to believe it is personal to you. For example, when I first started speaking out and providing cultural, social, political commentary and speaking out and questioning the narratives and so on, I was very one-sided. There was no excuse for failure. You know, your life was in your hands. The system wasn't responsible for who you became, right? But as I've continued to learn, speak to people, grow, develop, question, right? I don't believe that anymore as concretely. I believe that, yes, though you have power over your actions, but sometimes external circumstances can force, I don't like the word force, but can pressure you to act, behave, and think in certain ways. And these external circumstances may not be in your control. I have that understanding now because I've I've explored deeply. I've asked myself questions. However, I still don't waver from this viewpoint that I have that actually, yes, with all of that, your life is still in your hands and you can do and be anything you need to do and be, no matter the external circumstances. I don't know if that makes sense. So. Hold whatever views you want to hold as strongly as you want to hold them, but make sure you're not afraid to ask questions to yourself or to the world. Okay, Chigbo, he asked himself and questioned himself about this book that claimed and blamed all African woes and struggles almost exclusively on the acts of Europe. Walter Rodney in the book, like I said, he didn't romanticize Africa. He did touch on a few aspects of African behavior, attitudes, actions that may have contributed to the instability that they continue to suffer until today. Even though he did that, he still ignored many of the very glaring sins, obvious sins that can be laid squarely at the feet of African elites in the centuries before and after 15th century European contact. 
Rodney didn't even consider the possibility that while European pre-colonial and colonial exploitation were indeed very real, they may not necessarily be the cause of the underdevelopment of Africa in many of its areas. And there may be more, other more powerful reasons for African underdevelopment. I've had similar conversations or debates, not necessarily based on Rodney's book because I've never thought much about it before I chose to to do this series. But it was more generally challenging and critiquing this narrative that considers the underdeveloped state of many parts of Africa to be the sole and direct result of European activities. I wasn't aiming to minimize the impact of European actions, but rather to consider that perhaps there were other factors that may have been wreaking havoc on the economic and social structures of many African countries. And like I said, one couldn't even ask questions. Now, when questions can't be asked, I'm curious about what's being concealed. Now, the sins of African elites, this was mentioned earlier, but it's not just in relation to so-called traitors collaborating with Europe, which is usually a simple excuse that many Afrocentric scholars make who believe that traitor collaboration in the transatlantic slave trade explains African complicity in its own exploitation. But the issue is not one of mere collaboration, but of willful and incredibly short-sighted decisions made by African leaders and members of the ruling classes, emperors, kings, chiefs, priests, merchants, various officials. These decisions that can be shown to have resulted in the disastrous situation in which many Africans find themselves in today. So this blog that O.K. Chigbo wrote was written as a necessary reaction to Rodney's views, a corrective to this naive, unquestioning and indisputable acceptance of such theories amongst many educated Africans and black people in the African diaspora and even among some liberal whites. So it will look at what we know about sub-Saharan Africa before the Portuguese arrived in the 1400s and what we can know. We will look at slavery, colonialism, two thorns in the side of those who feel European intervention is the primary, if not only, source of our troubles. This is by necessity a historical study of sub-Saharan Africa, especially West Africa and the region formerly known as the Slave Coast doesn't mean that current African events will be completely ignored. I definitely will reference some. So these will be looked at to see if there are any connections between old African traditions and modern ones. The aim of all this is to explore African history objectively, devoid of the normal ideological prejudices of Afrocentrics and African nationalists on one hand, and hidden and overt racists on the other hand. And in saying this, There have been numerous misleading impressions of Africa, which have been spread over the centuries by Europe and its intellectuals. One of the most famous examples is by the German philosopher William Hegel, when he mentioned in his philosophy of history that Africa may be safely excluded in any study of world history because it has nothing worthy of the term history. So understandably, outraged African intellectuals were correct to want to correct this foolish and crazy and ridiculous stance, as well as to confront other similar wrong perceptions of Africa. I would love the listeners, those listening, to navigate this topic with maturity, because though I will give material that 
counteracts this one-sided belief that all of African woes is due to external factors. Yes, I will be highlighting the role Africa plays in contributing to its own problems. This does not mean or imply that Africa is less than, inferior, or genetically inclined to be underdeveloped. Far from it. And this is why I insist on addressing these issues, because it is precisely because I believe, as an African myself, that we are strong, resilient, capable, innovative. This is why I am offended by the notion that we can be so easily and continuously exploited, both in the past and in, and in the present. Must be something else going on, that if we don't tackle, it will continue to go on. In other words, we have to have a balanced approach. If you have a one-sided approach that fails to understand the importance of agency, that's problematic. If your approach, again, is simply that all issues are external and the blame and responsibility is external, that's also problematic and very stifling. To put it simply, if you blame other people for your problems, then why do you have to do anything to escape your difficulties? You place the onus on them, not you, to change your actions and behaviour. And it may not be in their interest to change. And worse, you will have a hard time looking critically at yourself in order to make the necessary changes that will help you to get out of your troubles. Hope you enjoy the first episode. Make sure to follow me on this journey. If you have any questions about this episode or about anything else, please send me a message. On the next episode, we'll talk about whether European intervention was the only cause of the underdevelopment of Africa or if there were any other reasons. Make sure you tune into that. Take care.